Welcome to Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. It is our pleasure and privilege to present to you the gospel message of the sovereign grace and glory of God in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that today's program will be a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and now for today's program. Welcome to our program today. I'm glad you could join us. If you'd like to follow along in your Bibles with the message today, I'll be continuing through the book of John, the Gospel of John. I'm in chapter 12, and I'm going to be majoring around verses 31 through 33. The subject is Christ lifted up. Christ lifted up. Now this passage is right after the episode where the Lord raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. And of course you, you, you understand that somebody, uh, someone performing a miracle like that, the fa- his fame would spread throughout the land. And, and, and of course that's what happened. And of course it was brought to the attention of the Pharisees who were dead set on removing Jesus of Nazareth out of their way and squelching his message no matter what they had to do, even kill him because they looked at him as a blasphemer. Well, Jesus continued on and over in chapter 12, we see several things that are brought out as they spoke of this matter. But here, this is where... Uh, it's recorded that he had his what they call what we call the triumphant ride through Jerusalem, where he got on a donkey and he came through Jerusalem. And it's said in verse thirteen of John twelve. It says, "Well, it says back. Well, read verse twelve. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, this man who healed the sick, this man who raised the dead." It says in verse 13, they took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Now these are all messianic terms. And many, uh, uh, some of them believed on him as the Messiah. Some just had an outward profession of, of faith uh, just in the miracles. And one of the things we learn from the recorded biographies of Christ in the four gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, that it was not enough. When, when the Bible talks about faith in Christ, it's not enough just to believe in him for the miracles. Uh, there's a, you know, there were a lot of people who followed him just only for that. Uh, he, in fact, he made mention of this uh, back in, in another passage in John and in others. Where he told him, he says, the only reason you're following me is because you want the loaves and the fishes. You're just wanting to feed your physical hunger. But now this term, Hosanna, it's a praise term. It's a worship term. It's something you would only cry unto God. And so whoever these people were, they did admit, they did profess that they believed that he was and is God. Now whether or not that faith continued, we don't know. Uh, some of them turned away. Now, now, that doesn't mean they lost their salvation. Nobody once, once a person is saved, they are always saved if they're saved by God's grace in Christ because he won't let you go. 
Now, if you believe salvation is conditioned on you, then you can lose it because it's not real salvation at all. It's a fake salvation. But they cried Hosanna. Uh, some say this tra- the translation is, Lord, save us. And he said, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And it says in Jesus, verse 14, when he had found a young ass, set thereon as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's coat. This is the fulfillment of a prophecy from the book of Zechariah, from the prophet Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. And so verse 16 says, These things understood not his disciples at the first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. And so the people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, they bear record. So here, here it is. Well, look at verse 20. <clears throat> now, when he was in Jerusalem and all this was going on, it says, and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. And of course, this, this is uh, uh, one of the Jewish feasts, probably the Passover. And they came there to worship. And it says in verse 21, the same came therefore to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. And Philip cometh and telleth Andrew. And again, Andrew and Philip tell Jesus. Now listen to his word, because when he speaks, here he's speaking in anticipation of going to the cross to save his people from their sins, to die for his sheep, those whom the Father had given him before the foundation of the world. And he's going to the cross to establish a righteousness by which God is, is just to justify them. And verse 23, it says, Jesus answered them saying, The hour is come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And what he's saying here, it's, it's coming close to the point where he was going to go to the cross and die for their sins. And the next verses bear this out. But that's how he was glorified. After this chapter, this ends his public ministry to people in general and then begins his private ministry to the disciples in the upper room. And so he says, this hour that the Son of Man may be glorified. Well, how was he to be glorified? Now, Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, is God manifest in the flesh. And that's a glory that he already had. He had glory eternally before the world began because he's the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in himself, he had an inherent glory. What is his glory? The glory of God is that which identifies and distinguishes him as the one true and living God in the person of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And the scripture says, in Christ, God, man, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And so he had the glory. But what glory is he talking about here? He's speaking of his mediatorial messianic glory that he would accomplish and gain as God manifest in the flesh, God-man, 
upon his dying on the cross for God's elect, his sheep, his brethren, he calls them, his church, and accomplishing all that the Father required to save them and bring them to life and glory eternally. That's the glory of the, that's the mediatorial messianic glory of Christ. Now, how do I know he's talking about that glory? Well, look at verse 24. He uses uh, an illustration to show them what he's talking about. And it's it's an agricultural illustration. And he says in verse 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn or a seed of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, what's he saying? Well, if you took a wheat seed and just threw it on the ground and, and, or put it on a table like this, it wouldn't bring forth any fruit. There'd be no wheat, spreka. But once you bury it and it literally dies in such a way and it, out, of that, out of that death comes wheat, much fruit. And what he's saying is out of his death will come much fruit. And the fruit is the absolute certainty of the salvation of every sinner whom God gave him before the world began and for whom he died on the cross. And he says that. He said, my sheep, I give my life for the sheep and they'll never die. The the second death. He said, my sheep hear my voice. He said, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, this Jewish fold. Them also I must bring. His name shall be called Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now don't miss this point. Christ did not die for those who perish. He died for his sheep. And whenever you read passages like John 3.16 or John 1.29, it's not talking about everybody every individual that has ever lived in the world. In fact, he told the Pharisees uh, back in John 10, uh, John chapter 10, he said, the reason you don't believe is because you're not of my sheep. He didn't say, you're not of my sheep because you don't believe. He says, the reason you don't believe is because you're not of my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. Christ died for his sheep. Now that may make you angry. But that's what the Bible teaches. Again, I've quoted this a lot of times. He said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. Over in the book of John 17, we see the high priestly prayer of Christ. And listen to what he says here in verse 1 of John 17. It says, these words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father... The hour is come. Now this is the same hour that he spoke of here in our text, John chapter 12. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. It's through his death on the cross to save his people from their sins, which he accomplished and for which he was resurrected from the dead, that he gains his mediatorial messianic glory. And in that mediatorial messianic glory, we see the the glory of the Father as both a just God and a Savior. 
2 Corinthians 4, 6 calls it the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so he says in verse 2, now listen to this. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So the fruit back here, the, the corn of wheat falling into the ground, bringing forth much fruit, that fruit is all that the Father giveth him, who shall come to him, not on their own volition, but in the power of the Spirit, who's given them a new heart, a new life. They've been born again. They've been quickened. Some say they've been given a new nature, and that's okay if you don't go too far with that. They've been given spiritual life from heaven, from above, born again, evidenced by their faith in Christ. A person who goes through this life in unbelief and dies in unbelief, they're not God's elect. They're not one of his sheep. He didn't die for them. And that's the issue. So I know people get angry and say, well, then there's no hope for me. What do you mean there's no hope for you? Aren't you hearing what I'm saying? Are you interested? Sin, basically, I mean, when we go through this life, we have some triumphs, we have some successes, but here's the thing. As you get, if you do grow to a ripe old age, and I'm beginning to see this in myself, I see how sin has destroyed my life. I'm getting old. I get sick. I have pains. I'm headed toward the grave. You are too. Do you want to, do you want to die eternally? The second death? Are, are you interested? Then seek the Lord. That's the thing about it. You're commanded to do that. You're not commanded to sit around and say, well, I wonder if I'm one of God's elect. No. Or I, I wonder if I'm one of his sheep. What does he say? His sheep hear his voice. Do you hear this with the spiritual ear? If you hear this and believe it, it's because God has given you life from the dead. Now, are you interested in that? You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, that there's none that seeketh after God. No, not one. Well, who's that talking about? He's talking about us by nature. But at some point in time, if you're one of his sheep, if you're one of this fruit that he's talking about, you will be brought by God to seek the Lord. So I tell you now, seek him. But seek him in his word and don't, don't stop short or be satisfied with anything less than what God says in this book about the person and work of Christ. So let's go on. Look at verse 25. Christ said, He that loveth his life shall lose it. Now, if, if what's stopping you from seeking the Lord, from faith in Christ and repent? It's because you love your life as it is, even your religion. I wouldn't be satisfied. And he says, And he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. That speaks of faith in Christ and repentance. Verse 26, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Now is my soul troubled, Christ said, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. He's headed to death. And it troubled him. He knew he had to die. 
But he was human without sin. He's God manifest in the flesh. And he never experienced the pain of death. But he said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came I unto this hour. This is the reason I came into the world. His name shall be called Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. How's he going to do that? Through his death on the cross. We're washed in the blood. That means his death. We're clothed in his righteousness, which is the result of his death. The righteousness of God. And he says, verse 28, Father, glorify thy name. And then there came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it. God the Father speaking from heaven. Now verse 29 says it says that the people therefore that stood by and heard it said that it thundered. They didn't hear the clear, clear words, they thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. And Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. To hear that voice. Now look at these verses here. This is, this is my text. In verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world, that's Satan, be cast out. How was Satan cast out? And bound by the death of Christ. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all, it says all men, but all unto me. Who are the all there? You say everybody without exception? Well, is everybody without exception drawn to him? To be drawn to him means to be drawn by the Spirit to faith in Christ and repentance. And not everybody is. So if this is everybody without exception, then he spoke out of turn. He's a failure. No, all that the Father giveth me. Listen to, and I, if I be lifted up from there, that's speaking of his crucifixion, will draw all unto me. Who is the all? All that the Father giveth me who shall come to me. They will be drawn. No man can come to, to the Father. Uh, come to me, Christ said, John six forty four. except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. And it says in verse 33, this he said signifying what death he should die. His death is the salvation for all for whom he died. And he must be lifted up or they will not come. There will be no life. If Christ is not, does not die on the cross and be buried and raised again the third day, there is no salvation. So he must be lifted up. I heard a message years ago on this that gave this outline how, how Christ must be lifted up. Number one, he must be lifted up on that cross to die for the sins of his people, to bring remission of sins, to satisfy the justice of God, for their sins, pay their debt in full as their surety, their substitute, their, their redeemer. God manifest in the flesh, Emmanuel, Jesus. He must be lifted up to establish the only righteousness upon which God can justify sinners. The imputed righteousness of Christ. That's what that is. It's a righteousness that we have no part in producing Christ alone as our substitute 
produced the righteousness based upon which God has justified all of his people. And to be justified means to be forgiven of all our sins on the ground of his blood, his death. It is to be declared righteous in God's sight based upon the, right, the merits of his obedience in death charged to us. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord imputeth righteousness without works. Romans 4 and verse 4. Think about it. Or verse 6 rather. And these are the things of the gospel. The gospel is the gospel of Christ. It is the revelation of the righteousness of God. And that righteousness of God is the merit of the obedience unto death of Christ as he was lifted up to die on the cross. And he died. And when he died in John 19.30, he said this. He said, it's finished. The work's finished. Hebrews 10.14 says, By one offering, he hath perfected. A different form of the word finished. He hath completed. He hath perfected. He hath finished. By one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Now, who are they who are sanctified? All whom the Father gave to him before the foundation of the world. So he must be lifted up on the cross. Now, he says, if I be lifted up, we'll draw all men unto me. Well, how are people drawn to him? Well, it's by his being lifted up first in the word of God and the preaching of the gospel. You see, God has devised the way that he draws his elect, Christ's sheep, to him for salvation. And it's through lifting up Christ in the preaching of the gospel. Now, let me say this. His being lifted up on the cross resulted in his being lifted up out of the grave and ascended to the Father. He was lifted up that way too. And the way we lift him up in the preaching of the gospel is preaching Christ crucified and risen from the dead as the assurance of the salvation of his people. If I come to you and preach, well now God loves you and Christ died for you, now the rest is up to you. I'm not lifting this Christ up. I'm preaching a false Christ. I've heard preachers say, did he die in vain for you? Is that lifting up Christ? Absolutely not. Christ did not die in vain for any sinner. Those for whom he died shall be saved. Except that corn of wheat fall into the ground and die. It bides alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit. Now, do you think that was conditioned or dependent upon our decision? No, because left to ourselves, we would not choose him. We would not choose his way of salvation. You may be saying to yourself right now, I don't believe what that preacher is preaching. Natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. I'll say it that way. Because what I'm telling you is based upon God's word and not my uh, fancy thoughts. And I'm not here just trying to win friends and influence people. I'm here trying to preach the gospel by which God saves sinners. Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God 
unto salvation. The gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. To the Jew first, the Greek also, to everyone that believeth. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. From faith means knowledge revealed. To faith is knowledge received and believed. For as it is written, the just, the justified shall live by faith. Those who are justified before God, based upon His blood and righteousness, they live eternally by looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. So He must be lifted up in the preaching of the gospel. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that come unto Him, come unto the Father by Him. The preaching of the gospel... Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. God doesn't save sinners under the preaching of a lie. That's what Christ meant in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7 when he said, A corrupt tree cannot bring forth good fruit. You say, only a good tree can bring forth good fruit. The good tree is Christ who gives life as he is presented in the gospel. God's not going to save you sitting in some false church somewhere listening to a false gospel where that has become man-centered, worshiping man, humanistic, emotionalism, all of that. Doesn't matter if there are crowds of people there. God brings his people under the preaching of the gospel. Paul told the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians, Chapter 1, he said, I know your election of God. I know your God's elect. How did he know that? Did he have some dream or special revelation? No. He said, because the word, the gospel, came to you in power and not just in word only. The power is the power of God in Christ by the Holy Spirit to give life to a sinner and bring that sinner to faith in Christ and repentance of dead works and idolatry. That's the drawing, you see. And Christ must be lifted up in the preaching of the gospel. And next, Christ must be lifted up in the hearts of his people. Now, the only way that that can happen is if God is pleased to give you new life and you're born again to see the glory of God in Christ. If he's lifted up in your heart, your mind, your affections, your will, you will be drawn unto him. And all of that's founded upon Christ being lifted up on the cross to die for the sins of his people and bring forth righteousness by which God is just to be a, both a just God and a savior for them. Hope you'll join us next week for another message from God's word. We are glad you could join us for another edition of Reign of Grace. This program is brought to you by Reign of Grace Media Ministries, an outreach ministry of Eager Avenue Grace Church in Albany, Georgia. To receive a copy of today's program or to learn more about Reign of Grace Media Ministries or Eager Avenue Grace Church, write us at 1102 Eager Drive, Albany, Georgia, 31707. Contact us by phone at 229-432-6969 or email us through our website at www.
dot the letter R of grace dot com. Thank you again for listening today and may the Lord be with you.